Welcome to Love the Job Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Trapjack, and today I have three of my very close friends and co-workers. Uh, we all work at Carlisle Barracks together. I have Matt Porca, Buddy Niner, and Jason Colson. And the four of us, we kind of share the same passion for the fire service. We're all really into the job. We love the job. So it's a pleasure to bring all three of you guys on here today. I'm glad you guys actually took the time to to come on 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 our day off and 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 do this. Thanks for having us. Yep, pleasure to be here. Yes, sir. All right. So first thing is is I want you guys to introduce yourselves. Tell a little, tell the audience a little bit about you guys, uh, Matt. If you want to start, you know, give your background in the fire service. You know, when you started, where you've been at, and how you got here at uh, Carlisle Barracks. Sure. I've been active in the fire service now since I was 17, so about 17 years. I was active duty Air Force for seven as a firefighter. I've been in the Guard since then, total years coming up on 14. Prior to working at Carlisle, I was a county firefighter in Maryland, and after spending about three years there, I ended up here at Carlisle. I've been here for almost four years now. Cool, cool. Buddy, you want to you wanna give us a little intro? Yeah, say I have a total different background than a lot of these guys do. I've only been in the fire service for about four years now. I started out in the Marine Corps, did eight years in the Marines, then uh, enlisted into the Air National Guard here in Pennsylvania, and that's where I got my start in the fire service. A uh, recruiter got me very interested in firefighting, and once I was hooked, I was all into it 100%. Went to Goodfellow Fire Academy, graduated, taught my class, everything. And then as soon as I graduated, I got picked up here at Carlisle Barracks and started my career. Awesome. Awesome. And Jason? Uh, so I've been a firefighter since I've been 14 years old. Uh, started at Company 40 in Carlisle. Um, born and raised Carlisle. Never really left. Um, Volunteered till 2007, got on a job at uh, Loudoun County Fire and Rescue, uh, spent eight years in Loudoun County, um, and then uh, came to Carlisle Barracks in 2015, so I've been here about five years now, had about 26 years total in the service, so. You're kind of the uh, old timer to shift as far as years of service in that. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, one one thing, and we all kind of agreed on to talk about today was, uh, all four of us have one thing in common, and that is, we all went through a fire academy. Um, Matt, you went through Anne Arundel's Fire Academy. Uh, Buddy, you went through the Air Force yes. Fire Academy down at Goodfellow. Yes. And you and Jason, you went through uh, Loudoun County, Virginia's Fire Academy. And I went through Anne Arundel's as well, uh, just like Matt did. <clears throat> so I think the first thing is, is you know, you guys can talk about your experiences and how each academy kind of differs a little bit. Especially, buddy, for you, the Air Force Academy is going to differ from the county academies. Um, Matt, why don't you start and kind of give a little background on, on your academy life there and how the academy was, how difficult it was, how many weeks it was. Sure. So, like Buddy, I also went through the 
Department of Defense Fire Academy in Goodfellow. That was in 2006. So I'm sure when he went through, it was different than when I went through. I'm sure that some of the same thing. We learned a lot of the same things. I imagine the curriculum didn't change too much. But when I did get hired down in Anne Arundel, I went through an accelerated academy. Uh, what they did was they hired previously trained uh, personnel. And my academy there was only, uh, I think it was like 12 or 14 weeks. I can't remember which. But generally speaking, you know, everybody there was certified up to at least Firefighter 2, had an EMT. Um, and I think vehicle and machinery rescue. So, you know, a lot of what that academy consisted of was just a lot of skills refreshing, you know, learning the ways that, you know, Anne Arundel County operates. And then, you know, basically at the end of the academy, it was just a culmination of exercises to, to put all those skills to use and show that we learned how the county operates and that we're ready to do the job. That's interesting because when I went through the academy back in 2005, my recruit school as a whole, which was you know civil service test, everything, was only 18 weeks. So it's fascinating that your accelerated was 14 weeks, but their academy now, I believe, is 26 weeks. That's correct. So, so it, it, it added another eight weeks from when I initially went through the academy. Right. So a lot of that, uh, the reason why... The, the, the two of them differed so much is, you know, like uh, some, you know, John Q. Public off the street isn't certified to, to, to any degree, usually. And these uh, new hires are getting certified. Uh, they're, they're being completely trained from start to finish. You know, they're getting all these certifications, to usually to include EMT. So... I know that alone is probably at least a four-week part of the academy, if I remember correctly. So, you know, that's, you know, it, it's just a lot of, of things to accomplish in that 26 weeks for somebody who's new off the street who knows nothing about firefighting. Right. Now, did with your accelerated academy, did you get a lot of the, like, the, the normal academy life treatment where – you kind of got your, your balls busted a little bit and they messed with you a bunch to, to see if you were tough enough to be there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we were kind of viewed a little bit differently because I believe this that was the first time that they had done that. So it, it, it was, I mean, we still had had it rough to some degree because Obviously, having that previous experience or training or certifications, you know, we were actually kind of held to a higher standard. Uh, so they didn't expect <laughs> us uh, to not know what we were doing. So when you screwed up, they they let you know. We it. heard about it. Right, right, yeah, and that and that definitely differs a little bit from from when when mine was because most of the class that I had or the people that were in the class with me. 
I would say 65, 70% of them never had a firefighting class in their life. So we spent a lot of time getting messed with and a lot of time PTing because, you know, they, they didn't, they definitely didn't discriminate when you screwed up when you, it didn't matter if a guy that had some experience screwed up or the newest person to firefighting screwed up. And every time somebody did, it was out doing push-ups, running extra miles, you know, running the tower. You know, I can remember a lot of times in PT or after PT, we had like a minute 30 to maybe two minutes max to shower and be changed and be back in the classroom. I don't know if you guys had to deal with that so much like we did. Not, not to that degree, no. Uh, when, whenever I was going through, it was kind of like you could tell that there was a, and I think it wasn't just a fire service, but, or, or I mean, just the, excuse me, just the county, but the, the the fire service as a whole, I think, was going through a cultural change and sort of becoming the kinder, gentler fire service. So, uh, to some degree, we had it uh, rough, and in other areas, we didn't. Uh, but we knew, we knew what was expected, and we got the job done, to say the least. Cool, cool, buddy. So what? Uh, what uh, Matt and I described in our our academies? Uh, anything experienced like that? A good fella? Uh. Not to that extent. I mean, when I got to Goodfellow, I was already prior service, so I got treated a lot different because I had rank with over top of people that were just coming out of boot camp starting there. Uh, one of the big things was, like, the first two weeks is, I wouldn't say hell week, but that's when you're trying to figure out, like, the academy life schedule. you got to be quick, got to be moving with a purpose. And it was just a lot, a lot of classroom time. And as soon as you got done the classroom time, it was straight out in the afternoons to actually put hands on to do everything. And then for me, at the end of the day, uh, the rest of the military would go to their barracks. And then me, I would go back to my actual like hotel room and study, make note cards, all that stuff, just to make sure I was at the top of my game and I understood everything all the way through. And we, I mean, we had the limited time to go socialize during the day or anything. It was one class after next after next. We kind of got herded around kind of like animals. But So how long was your academy? I believe it was like 18 weeks. Okay. So it was a full-blown academy. It wasn't... Right. Like, we did the PT. We did all pulling lines over and over again, learn how to pack it. But in the morning, we'd get started. We'd be uh, in the classroom just learning, 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 slideshows, learning, learning, talking about stuff, have lunch. And then right after lunch, we'd get changed and go out and actually do the hands-on portion of it. And then after that, we would PT. Okay. So... and what. So you kind of did pretty much everything else that a normal fire academy did. It was just in the military, for right? The most part. Just military's version of it. Yes. Military version. So how does how does the military's version differ from the civilian? And Matt, you can probably weigh in on this as well. So you you both can probably tag team this, buddy. If right. you want to start. Uh, I know with the military version of it, like me being prior service, going in with my rank, it was always dressed by your rank and things like that and the instructors would kind of talk to you as equal but if you had prior service you were also the class leader so you had the most interaction with the instructors on kind of like the same level talking to you and not really yelling and screaming at you as much so did that was that also like a, a bad thing too because they expected more out of you 
Yes, because if <laughs> your academy class messed up, you were the first one to hear about it in the paper. Okay, so yeah, and I mean, every academy has a class leader, but right. that's a, a different extent than the, than the normal academy. Matt, you want to weigh in on that? So, I know whenever I went through Goodfellow, uh, it was the same case. You know, if, if I wasn't a class leader, I'd come out of uh, out of basic training. So, uh, you know, but it was the same thing for like our class leader. You know, if somebody screwed up, they caught hell, and so on and so forth. You know, it just stuff rolls downhill as usual. Um. But I would say one of the primary differences I know between the two academies that I went through, you know, the Air Force Academy, you're not just getting certified as a structural firefighter. You're also getting certified in hazmat and aircraft firefighting. So it's a very, it's a very accelerated process for the DOD. You know, they, they just push guys out left and right. Um, it, it's just a lot of information at once. You know, sometimes it's hard to process. And, and personally, I feel that uh, it, it's it's too much too fast. I, like, it's just I don't think people are, get, you know, maybe getting the right grasp on, on things. Um, right, because I know they would teach something in the morning. And then, like, the following day, we would test on it that following morning before we started our next session of what we were going to learn. And you had to score a certain amount on it or you'd get recycled. Well, you got to think about it. Like, mine was 18 weeks. And, I mean, we were taking people that had no clue about firefighting, kind of like the military does. But the thing was is we didn't come out hazmat techs or aircraft firemen either. So, I mean, we were learning the same things you guys were, but they were jamming in aircraft firefighting, which – that alone is another 40-hour class, at least. Right. And then hazmat techs, at least another 40. I think it's 80 hours now. Um, so, I mean, you're you're jamming almost another month's worth of curriculum into the same amount of time that I went through my fire academy. Right. So, I mean, that's that. It, there's definitely a lot, like you're saying, Matt, about there's a lot of stuff pushed in a small amount of time. So, uh, I mean, that, that's good because, uh, like I said, I never went through. I know some civilians have gone through Goodfellow for certain stuff, yep. but I don't think they actually go through the DOD Academy like that. So, Jason, uh, you were in Loudoun. How long was that Academy? 26 weeks. 26 weeks. Is it still 26 weeks now? Mm-hmm. It is? So, why don't, you, why don't you give a little background on, on that Academy? So, <clears throat> being from Pennsylvania my whole life, it really is an eye-opener. Um, just different ways people do different things. Um, but for the most part, when to lead up to, to even getting in the academy, uh, you know, you got to take a civil service test, a polygraph, physical agility, go see the doctor for a, a physical and that kind of stuff. And then if you're chosen off that list, um, you know, the, they call you for uniforms and you start rookie school. Um, but their mentality is, I don't really care where you're from, who you are, what you know, because I've, I had pretty much all the classes that they offered in rookie school. Um, but there again, I mean, like I, the firefighter one, firefighter two, now I had to take a Virginia EMT 
Um, so that was that was a little different because in Virginia you can do a lot more as an EMT than you can in Pennsylvania. Um, but there again, like I said, I, I duplicated a lot of certificates um, just for the simple fact of they, they didn't care. And it was set up more like a, a paramilitary style um, recruit school. I mean, your, your clothes had to be ironed and, you know, they, they come up first morning and you were lined up and, you know, they were yelling at you and that kind of stuff. So, I mean, you're lower than whale shit as a, as a rookie uh, in that academy. Which, you know, brings you up through, and even when you get into the station, you know, and placed after you graduate, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of that, too. Um, as in, uh, not so much you're the new guy, it's you're the rookie, this is the way things are done here, I don't care where you came from, who you are, what you know. You, you kind of learn station life outside of, you know, rookie school. Um, a lot of PT. Uh, again, classes all through the day. Um, and I think rookie school was from like uh, 7 to 5-ish every day. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's an eye-opener. little hometown Pennsylvania boy to moving on somewhere, you know, a great big department like that. They're... I think they're well over 600 people now. So, um, based on what I've talked about with you about their your academy life there and people that I know in Loudon, they do a lot of PT. So, I mean, you I'm sure you did a lot of running, a lot of push-ups. Oh yeah. Um, you know, in 26 weeks that's a long time to be away from your family. It is, and and being where I, I still live in Pennsylvania, uh, in northern type Pennsylvania, so. Um, there, it wasn't like I came home every day because rookie school was from, like I said, seven to five. So if I were to travel back and forth every day, I would have never gotten any studying. I'd have never been able to, to accomplish and, and graduate from the academy. Um, so we, there was like five or six of us. We got an apartment down there and, uh, we all lived together and we went home on the weekends. Two of the guys I volunteered with um, here in Carlisle actually got in the same time that I did. And we were lucky enough to find an apartment about two miles away from the academy, and so. Uh, and and that's awesome. And and those are the things when you get hired somewhere that you try to find because Matt, I don't know, did you bring your family to Anne Arundel or or were they did they stay where you guys were living at the time? At the time, we were living out near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, so it was about a four-hour drive from there to the Anne Arundel Academy, but I, I stayed, I had a friend who lived in Pasadena, and I stayed at his house during the week and drove back to Pittsburgh on the weekends, and then once I actually finished the academy, I, I commuted from Pittsburgh uh, on shift. So that was four yeah, but hours. On twenty four seventy two, that's not too bad, though. No, but four hours is still four hours, <laughs> right? And when you're when you're awake for about 30, 30 hours because of being on the on the ambulance, it makes for a rough drive home. So, you know, but yeah, you know, eventually we moved closer, and you know, I, I was only about an hour at that point. 
What about uh, how about you in military life? No, my my wife stayed with her mom and dad uh, in Maryland, and I stayed in Texas and focused 100 percent of my time on the academy. Like weekends, we would have off, but on weekends I was rereading chapters, making more flashcards, studying. Uh, some of the guys that were with me in the academy class that were struggling, or other people that needed extra help, I would kind of tutor them or go over stuff and try to explain it different ways so that way we could all still kind of stick together and keep learning. And, and that's kind of what you got to do during the academy. I mean, I, I rented an apartment down there when I was in the academy. I was only 10 minutes away from the academy, and I came home on the weekends too just because you just kind of needed to get away because after, after getting your head kicked in all week, you just needed that, you know, seeing your family. Now, granted, I wasn't married at the time, but because I was only a 19-year-old kid, but I wanted to come home and see friends and stuff like that and just kind of relax a little bit because, that, I mean, it's it's a stressful environment. I mean, every day, you know, or I should say at least every week, we had people dropping like flies all the way up until just about the end of the academy. Um, so, I mean, it's stressful, especially once you get to know a lot of those people in the academy. They're like your fam- They end up being like your family. I mean, that's the start of the brotherhood. And to see people fail out or, or drop out, it, it's heartbreaking. So, Going home and seeing your family after a rough week, I mean, you, you almost need that. Well, I ain't no kidding. We, we started our rookie school with, like, uh, two of them ran simultaneously. So there was uh, class 21 and 22 that ran together. Um, I think we started with somewhere close to 60 dudes. And I think we only ended up graduating 30, 30 couple. I mean, it, it was people – and, and that's the thing, like, to prepare to go to something like this is, you can't just say, you know what, I'm going to go to the academy today because these cats that, you know, are been volunteers their whole life and decided to be like, you know what, I'm just going to try this out and not prepare at all to go there. A week of that PT, these people are on the ground. I mean, they, they're passing out. They're just not ready for it all. I mean, you got to be prepared coming to something like that. Now, did you, Matt, did you lose anybody in that accelerated academy? Yeah, there were, there were a couple people that, that, you know, washed out for various reasons. Um, not necessarily for PT reasons, but just for other reasons. How about, how about in the DOD? I mean, cause you're all still in the military. So how does yeah. that work? Yeah. With us, we started around, I believe 20 people and we only graduated nine from the fire academy. So, so what happens to those people that wash out? I mean, like some of them get recycled to the class that's right behind you. That's uh, like a couple weeks behind you. Uh, if those were the people that were, couldn't pass the test or wasn't grasping it. So they get recycled a couple times, but if they totally don't grasp the whole concept or don't want to be there or whatever, then they would uh, put them in like a holding pattern until they could find them a different job for in the military. So now, with the with the military and the Air Force Academy, is that something you you get to pick, or can they just assign you? Like, does everybody want to be there, or is that a job that sometimes you just get assigned and you got to take it because you're in the military? It's a mix of both. Both, yeah. Because you have some people that know what they want to do when they go in the military, and they won't settle for anything else, and that's what they'll do. You have some people going in there having no clue what they want to do, and they're like, "Oh, well, we need people to be firemen, so we have these slots, and you're open contract." So then they get sent there. So that's where it definitely differs versus like the cities and the counties because those all those people are, I mean, to go take the civil service that you want this job. 
right. one way or another, what, what for whatever reason you want it, or you think you want it, or you think you want it, right? And by not, like I said, by not preparing or anything else. I mean, these guys, you know, see it. Oh yeah, I take the test, I get through it. I tell you what, like to start out, there was hundreds of people that that signed up to take the civil service test. The civil service test knocks out, I don't know, probably ten to twenty percent of people. The polygraph is what got people, um, and that was huge. You know, I mean, that was whether it be nerves or whether it be, you know, they actually did lie about something, um, and then the physical that that didn't really knock a whole lot of people out, and then the interview process, um, you know, that that knocks a few people out as well. But you know, I mean, to start, that's. That's the games you got to play. Yeah, and I mean that, and that's definitely where it differs in the do the DoD Academy. Um, I think that's a the great topic that we can just jump right into is is kind of preparing for academy life. I mean, I mean from start to finish, you normally take the civil service test, and then however the order ends up going, because every county seems to be different and every city's different. You know, you take your test, you have a physical a physical agility of some sort. Then you, for a lot of states, you have polygraphs. Some states don't, like Pennsylvania does not have a polygraph. Um, I, I, and I believe in Maryland, we did not either. Um, but then you got your physical, and, and I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, background checks. So there, there's a lot of stuff just getting to that point. Then you have to prepare yourself. If you do get selected, you don't get a lot of time. Usually from the time you get that notice that, hey, I'm you're hired, academy life it's usually a month and i know some people it's less than that i've i know a buddy of mine that uh got hired in 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 a big city that was literally told days before the academy hey you're hired you're starting because they had somebody drop out before the academy even started and i know some academies have had people drop out the first day or two, and they brought other people in off the list because they weren't far into the academy. So right. I think those really, people have no time to prepare. For the first two weeks, I think, you know, if they were dropping people, they, they would take some more people off the list. But after that, I mean, you didn't see too many more new people. Right. So you can't – so I know the topic you wanted to talk about was preparing for the academy. You you can't just do that when you decide – when they send you the letter that says you're hired because no. it could only be a month ahead of time or it could literally be their, their academy is already running and, hey, show up tomorrow because you're in. Right. You know, so so let I, – I mean we've all kind of had to prepare for that at some point. I, I, I'd, love, I'd love to talk about how, how you prepared and what is the preparation for something like that. So like know, knowing going into this kind of stuff – before you even decide to go take a test, before you decide to, you know, I, I want to be a, a fireman at anywhere that you're going to apply for a job, um, I think the biggest part is not only mentally, but physically, you, you got to get in shape. Um, the whole process for me from start to finish was probably about three to four months. And that was back and forth to, to Virginia, you know taking uh, the, the physicals and the uh, physical agility and uh, the whole process. So the big thing is, like, I wasn't in the best of shape. I've never been a skinny dude. Um, but honestly, I, I lost 
a ton of weight. Now I was down to like 171 pounds and I started somewhere around like 220. So every day I ran, I ran a mile and a half because that was one of the things in the academy that scared me to death because I'm no runner. Um, at home, you know, I was, I was running a mile and a half. I rode my bike like 12 miles every day. And I, at that time, I still had a full-time job. Um, so to squeeze this in, you know, with going back and forth to, to Virginia, um, getting in shape and that kind of stuff. And then, like I said, being uh, mentally ready for it. And what I mean by that is if I think if I would have had kids when I started this whole process, I don't know that I'd have made it through the academy, uh, special, especially like little kids. Um, you know, being away from, from daddy that whole time. Um, six months is a long time. Um, and just coming home on the weekends, I think that I think I would have really struggled with that. Uh, my wife, she struggled with it. I mean, there was, there was nights, you know, she'd have off work and she'd come down and she'd cook for all the guys at the apartment and we'd have dinner, you know, and then she'd go home the next morning when I, you know, went to work at the academy. But, I mean, that's just some of the things that, you know, you don't think about. Uh, I've seen a lot of dudes um, while in rookie school for the first two weeks, just mental breakdowns, uh, physic, physically uh, breaking down. Uh, I mean, it's no joke. It really isn't. I mean, when it's all about, uh, you know, I want to go and I'm going to do this, well, you know, I've seen a lot of dudes fail. Well, and you know that <clears throat> I I could tell you from my experience, you know, I uh, I started when I knew when I started taking tests at at right after high school, um, I started. I, I mean, I I mean in high school I worked out some like in gym class and stuff like that, but it was never like I was never hardcore into lifting and and that was just never my forte, you know. That was all football and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. When I knew I wanted to be, when I knew I was going to start taking, taking tests and all that stuff, I started running, started lifting. Like I, I didn't want to be, and that was the advice given to me by, by some career guys that I knew. They said, you know, you got to make sure you're ready to go before you get hired. Like you don't want to be scrambling last minute and start trying to run a mile and a half, two miles a couple weeks before the academy. Cause you're just not going to be ready. Even, even academically, man, like, like I said, before you know everything that they taught me for the most part i've already had i already already took uh previously at hack or bucks or, or whatever else um that i'm not saying that you know it you don't need all that but it helps it helps when you go into rookie school and you're like oh this is all just a big refresher for me uh, of course you're going to do a little better on tests and that kind of thing um so my suggestion to any younger person that knows that down the road that they, that they want to do this kind of thing is to start early, you know, start when you're a junior, knock out them classes. Then when you get to that point, it's going to be a big refresher for you. Um, thing is you got to play dumb in the academy. That's though. the thing. That's the thing. When you, you got to play, you got to play the game. It, it, well, <laughs> funny story. <laughs> um, so w when I was interviewing and all that, right. Uh, the headquarters station is where you go for, for your interview, and it's a big glass building, of course. Well, I was deputy chief at the time of Station 42 in Carlisle, had a big light bar on my truck, 
So I roll up for my interview, right? <laughs> Pull in in my pickup truck with a big, big light bar on my truck. Not knowing that I parked right behind the chief's desk um, <laughs> oh to, to go in for my interview. Oh, boy. So they, they knew right off the bat. And my first day of rookie school, they kept calling me chief. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that, you know, be mindful. Don't don't go to, to these things and and wear I fight what you fear T-shirts and you know <laughs> that kind of stuff. I mean, you got to conduct yourself professionally. But like he said, with the you know playing, you don't know anything. Didn't really work out for me. Um, they they had they had, they had me pinned from day one. Which that's where that I mean that's where the fun is in the academy. <laughs> Porker's over here chuckling. Um, but you know, it, but I mean that's all that's all part of the game though too. I mean, an academy it, it's a game too, and not only are you learning, you know, the the job, but it, it you're saying about guys had mental breakdowns. It's to see your mental toughness, mm-hmm. and they will search up every, anything and everything they can to mess with you in the academy. I'll tell you another big one is is you know I don't have one, never had one, but Facebook. They will go straight up in your business. They will find any dirt or anything that they can on you prior to hiring you. So if you have anything stupid on your Facebooks, your Instagrams, social media, any type of social media, you better get rid of it prior to even going to start a job. Oh, absolutely. Um, Buddy, I mean, what did you do to prepare? I mean, I... I know that the the air force being in the air force and being in the military is definitely a little different because I mean you're already there and you're already in and you're in the military so there is a standard you have to be in shape to an extent in in the military so how did you prepare for the fire academy so my biggest achievement that helped me the most I believe in the fire academy to prepare was I did those eight years in the Marine Corps uh, Marine Corps is huge on PT physical fitness. And moving with a purpose, and that set me up for success for the academy. Because number one, in the Marine Corps, you have to no doubt be mentally tough, uh, especially if you're in any of the O3 fields. And then physical fitness helped a lot because a lot of people that were just coming straight out of uh, Air Force boot camp or Army or whatever, uh, they weren't expecting to be picking tons of stuff up, pulling it all the time. And then the academic side of it, for me was the hardest because it was like, here's all this information. You have to learn it. And it was slide after slide, after slide, after slide. And then the following day you'd be taking a test. So to me, as soon as I left the academy, went and found the park bench or went back to the hotel room and literally just sat and read and read and read and made note cards and just kept quizzing myself nonstop. That's kind of like, kind of like your first day here at Carl Barracks pulling lines. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, we all, I mean, you talk, everybody talks about death by PowerPoint. Listen, in the academy, you're going to get death by PowerPoint. But I, I think to, it's twofold because one, they, you know, especially in, in my case and in your case, Jason, and even yours too, buddy, they're teaching people that don't have a, that aren't, a lot of people don't have a clue. They're coming into this. This is the first time they're seeing this stuff. You know, Matt, yours was a little bit different with the accelerated academy. But, you know, it's it can be tough. So I mean, no, yeah, I, I agree. Um, 
I have. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be the first one to admit, and I know I'm not the only one, but I've fallen asleep during PowerPoint presentations before. <laughs> However, I can I can assure you that when I went through that academy, if I was starting to fall asleep, I had no shame. I stood up and went to the back of the room and stood there and listened to that PowerPoint because I was not falling asleep. Sure, I I did. You know what? I did the same thing. Uh, I can honestly say that because. I mean, death by PowerPoint, it, it's rough. But like I said, I, I, I kind of lost my trend of thought there, but it was twofold. The one is is the learning experience part of it. Two, they want to see if you fall asleep or not. You ain't kidding. They're like, and they're and they they're like hawks with that. They are they're hunting, waiting. and they're just waiting for somebody to just start <laughs> nodding, and, and that's and it. It's one, one it's trying to do a, a one-team-one-fight thing, and... That goes straight down to, to uniforms, man. I tell you what, like when people left, we would hawk their shit because we had one dude one day forget a belt. Well, we weren't going to let one dude stand out there without a belt. Everybody went without a belt. Mm -hmm. We all got the same punishment, which regardless, we would have either way. If one, why would you let the, because the question would have been, why would you let your one guy out to dry and not have a belt? So it right. it was one of those type. Yeah, and we and we we dealt with the same thing. I mean, the biggest thing in in my academy was, you know, that that time period from PT to getting in the classroom. So they they were very strict on that minute and a half, two minutes oh, wow. getting in the classroom. So guys, we all had the you know the the cipher locks. So every guys would set their locks up. That they were always either one number off or they were on a number and all they had to do was run in and pull it down. Well, they, the instructors ain't no dummies. They've been there for a while. They they know every trick in the book because at one time they were recruits doing the same thing. So, you know, every time somebody would get caught doing that, they would they would punish the whole the whole academy class. Well, one story I can think of on that was is we were probably 14, 15 weeks in. I mean, we were actually starting to get that different treatment of... You're, you're, you're starting to become firemen. Right. And one guy still felt the need to, to adjust his locks. All he had to do was run in and undo it. And we were out drilling. We were pulling lines and stuff. And they stopped us dead in the middle of it, yelled at us to get our PT stuff, and came back out. And there was this black garbage bag hanging from the drill tower. <laughs> And they gave us a 12-foot pike pole. And they said, we're going to play a game, but guess whose stuff's inside the bag? <laughs> and the person that opened the bag and busted it open didn't have to do the punishment. And everybody kind of was hesitant on that because it's like, wait a minute. So you want me to purposely bust my, my brother's stuff open and get him in trouble? It was almost like you were – everybody was skeptical because they were like, is this a trick? Mm-hmm. Until they started yelling and saying, everybody else is going to do double if somebody doesn't bust his bag open soon. So finally, somebody did bust the bag open, and we obviously got to see which recruit it was. And he stood there. Of course, they lied that a person that busted it open, they still did it anyway. Right. The only person that didn't was the guy's, the guy's stuff. That the guy, guy was. The, stuff, yeah. the guy who owned the stuff. He was the guy that watched the entire recruit class do PT for an hour and a half. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the games you play. And, that, and, you know, we talk about physical fitness and, and, and preparing that way. You got to be mentally ready for, for that kind of stuff, too. 
Um, Loudon's a lot of attention to detail. And, it, and for example, for one of those, we had to, uh, at the beginning of our rookie school, um, have a flag made. And we all, you know, I think there was like three or four sayings on it that you had to put on and, you know, your class number and that kind of thing. So we had these flags made up, carried them around on pike poles. And wherever you guys went is where that flag was supposed to be. No exceptions. Um, didn't matter if you guys were out burning or not. I mean, some dude held on to that flag and that was it. Well, we went to Montgomery County to, uh, to do a burn, I think in their flashover simulator. Um, we ultimately sat our flag down without asking. Uh, and nobody really remembered where it went or how it got lost until we got back. We're on the way back coming down the Academy Drive and one of the instructors has this flag flying from the back of his pickup truck. <laughs> so needless to say, when we got back, we got our asses chapped and, uh, you know, we had, we had to earn that flag back and that, that was through PT and, uh, you know, we were bear crawling a hill and, and, uh, I can remember it was it was freezing cold because I was in the academy over the winter. Of course, we were in t-shirts and and shorts inside a high bay. Um, so at that point, we went outside um, and they made us do six inches on top of the the burn tower, where it was a good bit of ice. So when we got up, of course, our our shirts stuck to the ice. We ripped our shirts. Then we got our asses chapped for ripping our shirts. <laughs> so it's a lose-lose situation at that point. But and that, and that's like the whole mental game that you got to play. And but but it does. I mean, it makes you really. It's attention to detail on a lot of things. Just something as simple as you know, not losing a flag is like telling your kids, you know, put your toys away. I mean, it, it's. <laughs> I it's trying with. You know, twenty some other people. I remember the flag game. We played that game too, Matt. What What did you What do you think is important as far as preparing for an academy? You know that maybe we didn't touch on here. What did you do? You know, a big part of preparing, I think, is the interview process, because, and, and from what I what I've heard, you know, interviews for everybody, you know, could be different. They could ask you different questions. Throughout the, you know, they could ask everybody something different. So, you know, one thing that I would suggest, you know, is be prepared for that interview because you, you know, you you could be interviewing with the with the chief of the department, you know, or 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 deputy chiefs or who knows. But regardless of who it is, you should be prepared to answer whatever they ask you. You know, and I'll give you an example. You know, a, a common a common question that I hear a lot is, you know, why do you want to be a firefighter? And uh, you know, it, it, that answer could vary for for so many people. Uh, you, know, you know, my dad was a firefighter, or you know, I'm a you know, I'm just trying to follow in their footsteps, or uh, oh, it's something I've always wanted to do, and you know, my favorite is uh, oh, it's in my blood. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of things in your blood. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, really think about why you want to be a firefighter. Uh, and, and again, this is just an example. 
you know, I want to be a firefighter because, you know, serving my community provides a great deal of, um, you know, enjoyment for me. I love helping people. Just have a good thought out answer. Um, take, uh, see if you have any friends or, or, or co-workers or, or even maybe people you know who are managers who actually do interviews to hire people and see what kind of questions they would ask during an interview because it may not be firefighting related you know one of the questions that I had I remember this specifically was you know what's something that you have done in your past that uh, has impacted you today you know that in my opinion that's not a firefighting related question it doesn't, because it, it could, it could literally be anything, you know? You know, I helped old lady Smith cross the street, and, you know, because of that, I know she didn't get hit by a bus. And she's still living today, making me pies, because of it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, like, and, and that's the character thing that they're looking right, for, sure. though. Yeah, yeah They're exactly. going to mold you into whatever they want in the academy. Absolutely. They want to check your character, and that's why, like, in, I know with Virginia, you know, they, they do the polygraphs. They don't care what you did. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you murdered somebody, they, they care a little bit. And that, but and at the end of the day, they want to see if you're going to tell the truth or not. And that, that's that's a big thing. And that's where I think a lot of people get knocked out. Because, um, like, I guarantee you one of the questions are going to be, you know, have you ever done any drugs, you know? Or, or underage drink. Or underage were... drinking or, or anything like that. Don't lie. Uh, right. And the, <laughs> the, the thing that people don't realize is those questions don't go – to the hiring board, the, the questions, all they're looking for is, did he lie? Did he tell the truth? Period. None of the questions that the, the polygraph's going to ask you goes to then the academy. So they have no idea what you may or may have done. I mean, everybody's got a skeleton in their closet somewhere. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, you, you just... Listen, we were all teenagers at one point. Correct. At one point or another as a teenager, you do dumb stuff. Right. I mean, it's just, it's it's the way you learn about stuff, the way you learn about life, you know? So, I mean, you're going to do dumb stuff. Don't lie about it. But it, to Matt, to touch on your thing about the interview, I mean, that's a, that's a great point because I can remember preparing not only the physical part, trying to make sure I could pass the, the, the physical agility test and be ready for the academy if I got hired. But I can remember my dad drilling it in my head that hey, you got to be ready for this interview. Oh yeah. And I had I was calling up. Well, actually, I should say my dad was calling people to see if they would work with me, the career firefighters that he knew, because he knew that that was going to be tough on me. Being the fact that my dad had been in the fire service for thirty some years at that point, you know, and it was. I mean that that interview was nerve wracking. Absolutely. And, and even even the one, any time, I mean, I, I felt like, or I feel like I do pretty well in interviews. I mean, I've done a couple of them now, uh, being that, you know, I, I got hired in Anne Arundel and then got hired in the DOD, and then I've been to a couple places in the DOD. And I think you guys feel the same way. I mean, Jason, you got hired in, in Loudoun and then got hired at Carlisle. You know, buddy, I mean, I, do, do, do you have to do any type of interview to go to the fire academy in the DOD? No. no. But you had to do the interview here, right? At at for for Carlisle, right? Yes. Was that like your first like real formal interview? No. Uh. So my biggest fears was when I was going to graduate the academy and go to National Guard status is still being able to work and support my family and everything because I have 
that time, four kids. I just had my fourth child at that time. And that was a huge fear of mine. So when I was down to my last month in the academy, I was already applying to places. And as soon as I graduated the academy, my wife flew down and we drove from Texas and hit a couple different states that had interviews with different fire chiefs for a position there because I wanted to make sure I got hired on right away and wanted to start my career. Uh, I know one of the interviews I went to, I at that point in time, I did two or three interviews at different fire departments. And I remember this chief coming in and before the first, the first couple interviews I did, they were all kind of the same questions. Why do you want to be a firefighter? What makes you feel good about yourself? Tell me about yourself. But this one chief I went to, uh, we started the interview, and the first question he said was, if you could be any color, what would it be? And it took me by surprise. Like, uh, and the first thing that popped in my head is red, white, and blue, because I'm proud to be American. And he sat back, smiled, and said that was the best answer he's ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that the interview was kind of done and then by the time me and my wife finished driving the rest of the drive i had an email saying that he'd like me to work for him you didn't show me american flag underwear did you i did have them on because they are my lucky ones <laughs> <laughs> i i could tell you at least for my first interview i was nervous as hell though i mean oh, yeah. i mean if you're not somewhat nervous for an interview whether oh. it's your first one or your <laughs> or your or your 10th one you should be at least a little nervous because I think if you're not nervous, then you don't want that job bad enough. It, you are going to be, even if it's just a little bit nervous, because if you truly want that job and that position, you don't want to screw it up. And listen, a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, live and die by that interview. You know, not every place is the same. That reminds me, you talk about being nervous. Uh, my interview with the county was a phone interview because I was living in Florida at the time. And I called up, I called the number that they gave me, and it was to the fire chief's office. He said, you know, hi, you know, I'm the chief so-and-so, and I'm here with deputy whatever and, you know, a couple other people. You know, we're just going to ask you a few questions. I'm like, okay, great. And he's like, all right, well, let's get started. And then I heard, like, some static, and then the phone cut out. And I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, this isn't happening right now. I hurried up and called the number back. I, I was – I, I – apologize probably 10 times about sorry about the phone cutting off i i'm sorry i don't know what happened and you know they were like no it, it's okay it happens this isn't the first time and i'm like uh, you're talking about sweating bullets i was like gee oh. i think i think the biggest part it took a lot of getting used to for me was the whole and not that i was ever disrespectful to anybody but i was used to firehouse living the volunteer house and answering questions like, yep, uh-huh, yep. When, it, when you go down to them type of things, you need to be yes, sir, yes, ma'am. So, I mean, that, and you guys are probably a little better with that because you come from the military side of things. Um, but I wasn't. So I had to try to keep in my head all the time, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, on everybody I talked to. And, and that's a big thing in, in, in rookie school, too, because I screwed up one time. And, uh, of course, being around the firehouse, our our lead instructors were lieutenants, and then we had a captain in, in rookie school and stuff. I walked up to him and said, hey, Lou, well, that that's the wrong thing to say. Mm. I, you know, it was, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And he said, what did you just call me? 
And then I thought about what I said, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm had, you know. But then yeah. he was, he was to the point. We were in the point of that at, at the academy that he was like, "I get it." He pulled me aside and was like, "Listen, I get it. Just from now on, this is the way we conduct business." And you know, I, it never happened again. But you know, until you get to the station, and well, things change. But. They they give you, a, you know, you get to a point in the academy where they give you just enough rope to hang yourself. Correct. You know, they start to lax a little bit. You can About the sit, last six weeks. <laughs> yeah, it, you can you can slip up and say something like that and not get drilled into the ground with PT or or put you know whatever. But they do that to see if you're gonna it. Are you gonna go astray? Right. You know, and let me tell you what: when you do go astray, they let you know it because you get drilled into the ground. Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, one last thing on this topic before we move on to the next topic. As far as interviews go, the one thing that this generation has now over what we had then is, is the, the internet. I mean, yeah, the internet was around when we were, but there's so much more material now yeah. than back then. I mean, you look, you go on Amazon or whatever. Preparing for an interview. That right. Kind of thing. You I can mean, buy all these kinds of And stuff. YouTube, the amount, the amount of people in the last 20 years that have interviewed that have then turned around and passed on their interview experience to others on YouTube and on all these other platforms, you know, of, of social media. I mean, there's really no excuse to not be prepared for an interview at this point because, I, I, like I said, I mean, 2005 for me when I did that first interview. I mean, yeah, social media was out there. It, I mean, it was the very it wasn't beginnings. as prominent. I though. mean, you had MySpace and and Facebook was just <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We laugh about that now. But, I didn't have that either. But but back then, I mean, MySpace was what Facebook and Instagram is, you know. But it wasn't. But it wasn't like the 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 amount of material was on there, and even on the internet. I mean, the internet still at that point wasn't what it is today, and the technology wasn't there. I mean, you can look this stuff up on your phone. So I mean, you can look up and read interview stuff while you're sitting on the couch watching TV. Correct. You know. So I mean, that I think that goes back to too, like. How bad do you want the job? I mean, that, that from the beginning here. How, how bad do you want the job that you're going to take time prior to, you know, going to an academy and, and doing the physical agility and, and practicing and the classes you take prior to? I mean, we, we've already been over this, but you know what I mean? It's, it's at the end of the day, how bad do you really want something? Right, right. Well, I think we've, we've kind of really hit every aspect of this that, that we really were looking for here. Uh, we'll take a quick break and then we'll, we'll get into the next couple the next two topics. All right, we're back. So buddy, you wanted to talk about uh, what mentorship? Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things was we talked about the Academy life and everything, but the biggest thing that impacted me in my whole fire career uh, since I've started was after the fire academy when you check into that firehouse and you get introduced to everybody and things like that and the mentorship that I had in my first two years of being a rookie was I feel kind of it, it was good but at the same time when I was going through it I was like oh my god these guys are out to make sure I fail at this but 
now where I'm at in my career now, I'm like, oh my God, this is what made me who I am today and how I grew so much in these last four years on top of everything. And the biggest thing that helped me is a lot of these guys sitting at the table here, stepping up, being the senior guys and teaching me the right way. Whether Jason Colson had me out there every single morning pulling lines, trying to learn how to do it the right way until I couldn't mess it up, until I understood what was going on. Or Porca sitting down with me with doing hazmat stuff or going over calculations or Cat and Trapper going over driver stuff, trying for him not to pull his hair out when I was driving. Things like that. Mentorship, to me, was what made my career what it is today. And mentorship is, is very important in the fire service. And I, I think at times it, it, it severely lacks. Um, it, it's This is a whole different time period we're in in the fire service now versus, you know, like even when I came in in, in the early 2000s, or and I'm sure it's even different, more different for you, Jason, because you came in in probably what the early 90s, early to mid 90s. 94. 94. God, you're yeah, you are old. I was just being born. <laughs> Jesus. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, but you're absolutely right. It, you know, mentorship is key, and it, there's been such a turnover rate in the fire service in the last few years that there's not a lot of senior guys. I mean, there's, I mean, the bigger departments, FDNY, DC, and LA. You know, those places. There's so many firemen. You still have a lot of those old timers. But in a lot of places, there's a lot of young departments, and that's the one thing that lacks is that senior man. So guys that are only on the job maybe 5, 10, 12 years are that senior man or need to step up to be the senior man. Yeah, I guarantee it. Like even in Loudon, man, that's that's a, it's a young department. Uh, they're growing every day. Um, but – for the most part, like, there was a lot of growth going through when I went through. Um, that being said, there were, there was captains and lieutenants that were 20-some years old, you know, and that, it's just like, man, seriously? But, I mean, you got to start somewhere, and you, you got to, you know, you got to have the, the rank structure in place. And, and once those old guys, it comes in waves. Like, you know, when, you, when you're having an academy of, 60 dudes and you know by the time of retirement you know those guys are you know all dropping at one time and then you got a bunch of new lieutenants and captains and that kind of thing um but yeah i mean for the for the dod though i mean it's kind of like a what i've noticed in my five years is it's a revolving door you never know what you're going to get People from, you know, different aspects of life, whether it be military, whether it be civilians. Um, so, I mean, there again, you could have your captains on shift that are 20-some years old. It doesn't provide a whole lot of experience as in years of service, you know, but they, they, they've taken the test and not trying to take away that, you know, that they have any less experience. I mean, they could have been from a busy department somewhere, you know, and ran a lot of calls and had a lot of street smarts, it, you know. And we went to a, a, a conference uh, last year sometime, and it, it was called the Senior Man. 
Um, yeah, that was uh, Tactics on Tap. Right. So, I mean, that, how, how do you describe a senior guy? You know, is it the guy that ran the most calls? Is it the guy that that uh, has been there for the last 30 or 40 years? Is it the captain, you know? or uh, So, and one thing, one thing I took away from that, you know, because uh, uh, he said, um, "You'll know when you see him," right. or, or you know, whenever he talked, you'll you'll know who it is. I think it's a, I think it's a mix of everything. At least in in this day and age, uh, you know, I I can say for when I started in the DoD, um, I had guys. My first captain at thirty five years on the job, the the permanent driver at thirty years on the job. The guy, the guy that was backstep with me had 10 or 12 years on the job. Like, I was the rookie. I was the new guy. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot sitting around the dinner table with those guys drinking coffee. I mean, I was a, I was a rookie. I mean, people think that DOD is different, and it is in, in some aspects. But there's still a lot of traditions to do to, that you still deal with as a rookie. I mean, I got sent out to do all the inspections and, and learn the base by myself because guess what? I didn't earn my keep yet. I right. came back, I washed the dishes after dinner, I cleaned the shit house, you know, it I did all the things that rookies do. I think But I had it, that in that first station, I had that senior guy. I think a lot of it is is proving yourself to to your crew and to, to the other guys on the floor. I mean at, at the end of the day. Um and then not so much just with, with knowledge and everything else. It's how you conduct yourself and conduct business, you know? Well, and you, you got to have a person. Correct. But you also have to have the guys that want to be that mentor to these new guys. Right. You know, how, how many places have you been at or heard about where there are new guys? And, and it's twofold. You have new guys that come on, rookies that come on, that think they're hot shit coming out of the rookie school and they don't want to learn shit because they – uh, they passed rookie school, so they're they're you know they're the king shit now, and then and those are the guys that end up earning that reputation you don't want to earn in the fire service as being one of those guys, but then you have the other rookies that come out and they are just thirsting for knowledge and they want to they're like a sponge they want to absorb so much from everybody and they're looking for that one person to kind of take them underneath their wing, and, and guide them to where they they need to go in their career. And some places that lacks I don't, tremendously. Yeah, I don't think there's enough of that nowadays. No, um, there's, I, there's I, not. I think a lot of it for me, um, and this is just me, but when when Buddy came into the fire service and and, and come to the Carlisle barracks and didn't have a clue, and didn't have a clue, <laughs> but yes. he was, he was thirsting for that knowledge, and he he spent his days in the engine bay looking over fire trucks. He was asking questions on directions, where things are, how things are done, and that never stopped. You know, so from the time he come in the door, and I hate to say this because I'm gonna blow his head up, but at the end of the day, like he was always asking questions, always engaged in something. He became a fireman. Correct. To me, I, I would absolutely love to, to take those guys and be like, all right, let's go, you know, and I'll, I'll spend as much time as I want or as much time as I have with those type guys, you know, the time, the, the stuff that I don't have time for is these jokers that come into the firehouse and be like, you know what, 
I'm here, I'm on the job now, and they're ten toes up come five o'clock to watch TV with the rest of the gang, yet don't know where uh, the Halligan bar is or what compartment something else is in, or they don't know how to go down the street and even know where they're at. So, to me, I don't got time for those type guys. Whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, that, that's just me. Well, the thing is, is you got to have, you know, you you know you can want to be mentored all you want and be looking for that mentor, um, but if you don't have the initiative to actually truly seek them out, like you can say all you want, oh yeah, I you know I need somebody to mentor me in this and that, but if you actually don't show the initiative to to do that, be the first one down at the rig, first one at roll call, you know, first one to be like. Oh, pick me! I want to. I want to pull lines today. You know, you got to show that initiative. Something because as simple as making coffee in the morning. Ask them what can I do. What What do I need to know? You know, and, that and that's where, and that's where a lot of places lack though. Without that senior man, or that that guy that that tends to mentor people to pull them aside and say, "Hey, man, you know, like you're you're the new guy. You're the you're the rookie. You gotta you gotta fly a straight line. You gotta be straight as an arrow here." You know, this is the stuff you need to learn, and that's what's missing in the fire service, and that's why I think you see a lot of these things, and people go astray is because the fire service is young. We're losing a lot of these old timers that that everybody reads about and idolizes. You know, uh, Cap, you know, Cap Morrison from FDNY. I mean, he's retired now, but that dude was forcing doors after dinner at sixty some years old. Uh, and he is the captain on Rescue One, you know, one of the most glorified rescue companies in the world. And that dude was forcing doors every night after dinner. You know, and that's a mentor. That's a that's a leader. That's a guy that every rookie or new guy should be seeking out when you come out of rookie school or get to your first station. And and that's another thing. Just just for anybody out there that is coming out of a rookie school. Coming to a new firehouse, I don't care if, if you're DOD, if you're, you know, a county station, whatever else, because there, there's transfers that take place and that kind of thing. When you come in, I don't care where where you have been, whether, you, you know, I'm the senior fireman at this firehouse, but when I transfer and I go to another firehouse, essentially, I am the new guy. I mean, you, you could have been around the world in the DOD, and I've seen so many people come into the station I work at and just be like, you know what, I'm here, kick my feet up, I don't need to know much, I'm along here for the ride. That doesn't fly with me. And that happens, not just, not just that happens, I think, at every firehouse. Because you get the people, whether they're out of rookie school or transferring in from another house in, you know, in, in the city or whatever, you, there are bad apples at, out there. There is, but that and that's where the the mentorship that you know we're talking about needs to really kick in. And that's where, if you don't have a senior man, you don't have that guy that's been there or in in the service or at the station for twenty, thirty years. Somebody's got to step up and do it. Yep. You know, I mean, le, I mean, let's look at the around this table here. I mean, I'm going to be thirty four in a couple weeks. You know, you're going to be Jason. You're going to be you're you're the senior man at this table. You're. You're going to be 40 this year. Age-wise, you are. Anyway. 40 yeah, in two days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I mean, Matt, you're you're the same age as I am. You're 34 now. And Buddy, I mean, you're kind of the young guy of the group. You just turned 30. So, I mean, 
But I mean, you think about it. I mean, yeah, you know, collectively at this table, DOD wise, I've I'm the senior guy as far as that goes. But there's a lot of and you know, there's a lot of stuff I turned to Colson for because he's been in the fire service as a whole for 26 years, you know, and and that's that's the thing, and he's willing to help too. Because, I mean, listen, there, there have been senior guys that that also haven't been worth a damn either that are literally Correct. there collecting the last couple. Get into retirement mode. Yep, and, and don't, and don't want to help. And and the thing is, is you, you can't be like that. Right. You know, you can't sit there and bitch about the new generation of firemen coming up. You don't want to do anything about it. But if, and not do a damn thing about it. You know. With a lot of it, though, it shouldn't also just fall on the senior guy. I was told by... Two people that I really looked up to, which is Firefighter Joe Wasaki and uh, Captain Matt Boyce, that told me when you start a new place, you bring a big box of donuts for everybody. <laughs> you get there, you keep your mouth shut, and you seek out the guy that is willing to put the time and effort into you that knows what he's doing. And that's pretty much what I did. And the senior man does not have to be an officer either. Right. You know, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it's cool. I mean, you know, listen, at the end of the day, the officers, they have a lot of stuff to do administratively. I mean, the perks or whatever you want to call it of the job. But those good officers, though, will figure out a way to be a mentor as well. They might have been that mentor to the guy that's mentoring you now, too. Right. Um, it, there's so much, so many variables with that. But at the end of the day, somebody's got to step up and, and lead the new guys that are, that are coming in. You know, whether it's a senior man or, or in, you know, for our station, you know, it's just guys that truly love the job that are trying to make sure that it continues on the path it needs to. The hardest part is now with everything being kinder and gentler is making it harder for, like, the people that help train me or the, is part of the dying breed that's disappearing. It's harder and, to show tough love. Right. It's hard. Yes, exactly. It, it really is because even growing up in the fire service as a junior, you know, you didn't you didn't catch no easy streaks. It, it was you did that or you get your head kicked in. You know, why are you doing things like this? And I mean, I come from, uh, you know, the forty two house here in Carlisle, and you know, the guys I had above me are old timers now. Half of them are retiring. Um, but taught me, and it was a lot of tough love. I mean, it, it wasn't, oh, you know, well, you can try better next time, or why don't you try something like this? It was, get your head out of your ass. This is what needs to be done, you know, and just something simple as having a tool in your hand, you know, or I feel that regardless of where you're at in your career, Number one, you should know when you get off a fire truck, it's time to go to work. You, you're you're going to grab a tool and go to work. I mean, this shit of having front bumper meetings like, uh, you know, Chicago Fire doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean it, this, this is the kind hey, of world up. that we live in now. You watch that every week. Don't you know. <laughs> and that's weekly training. <laughs> you know, but seriously, honest God, I mean, it's not the way it works. You know, we just got done watching the the Rescue Me series just because Buddy had never seen it before until we watched it here. And 
You know, for as, as much fake stuff there was on that show, you did see that part of it on that show, the, the tough love, the, you know, the things that, that were definitely in the fire service, you know, there was no sugar coating it on that show because it, it did perceive the fire service in a certain way that it, that it has always been. But you're right, you know, the, the thing that you see on like Chicago Fire now, the front bumper meetings and stuff, and that's where the senior man or or the, the mentor needs to show the younger inexperienced people listen you need to know your job and go to work the time the time to learn your job is not on the call it is at the station instead of sitting on the recliner it's hey let's be down at the rig let's go over stuff let's pull lines let's so sometimes i mean and and that's where you're going to find your quote unquote senior man, your mentor in the station. Cause that's going to be the guy that says, Hey rookie, let's go down to the rig. No, nothing's going on. That's, that's where, you know, for people listening out there that are, that are that new guy that are that rookie. Those are the people you want to seek out the guy that's willing to take you and say, Hey, let's go do stuff. And I don't care what firehouse you are in the country. <laughs> you have time during your shift, during your day, as a volunteer, to to learn and and to put yourself forth and do this stuff, this crap. Uh, I'm busy doing this, or I'm busy doing that, or I need to do computer work. And I think that's where a lot of generational shit is. Like for it's me, it's the technology part, you know. You know. And I tell you something else. It just it it absolutely agitates me, and I see it at work. I see it at the volunteer house. When you're conducting training, dudes on their phones on Facebook and whatever else, and that just drives me insane. How, Shut how up we, and pay attention. How do we, how do we say they're, they're they're tweeting and they're posting and pinning and what the hell ever kids do these days? But honestly, on the other side of it, you know, as a mentor, I shouldn't have to find you all the time to say hey let's go do something You're absolutely hey, let's, correct you know i would look for that individual to come to me also and say hey can we go over this or can we go look at this you know how does this work that. um i think it's a two-way street you know it is you, as the men if you want to be the senior guy and you want to be the senior man and, and be the mentor you can't have that grumpy attitude when the, when the new guy screws up or whatever. You're there to coach them and 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 make them and mold them into a great fireman. Well, like like you were saying, um, you know, you you learn in the firehouse. Uh, you get your experience outside of the firehouse. You know, obviously, <laughs> you, know, you 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 can train all day long. But the reason you train is for, 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 for different situations. But, you know, how often do those situations happen? That's correct. I mean, Buddy's first week here, <laughs> I, I tell you, man, it, we we pulled a line. And what I, how I described this to him was, look, this office is on fire. And what I'm talking about office is like, you know, a 10 by 12 office. So I'm telling him. To, to pull a line, whatever he feels that he needs, but this this 10 by 12 area or whatever else is completely well involved. Let's go. How many times did we pull a line that day, buddy? 
Well, probably about 20, 30 times. <laughs> and what, what for line did you start pulling a fully involved structure with? Well, for the room and contents fire uh, for that office, uh, about, yeah, about 20, 30 times I pulled the blitz fire. Pulled the blitz fire for a room and contents on a 10 by 12. <laughs> and, and, that, and that poor son of a bitch, he, he was dragging ass by the end of the day. But until we figured out that we were pulling an inch and three quarter line to a 10 by 12 inch, you know, uh, room, it, it was, it was, it just had to work through that way. It wasn't that I was trying to be a dick to him, but it was, you know, I wanted him to think about what was going on at that point. And, and what we had to, to push on about. Said he was really proficient at pulling that blitz fire. He was, he was. But, but at <laughs> right. the end of the day, and I, and I think a lot of the, the younger generation coming up through is like, why do I have to keep doing this? Or asking questions like that. I already what, did this. You know, I already did this. Why do, why do I need to keep doing this? Well, because you're not doing it right. That's the answer. Okay, so then, so until you do it right, then then we'll, we'll, we'll continue to, to do that. You know, so, you know, and, and the thing is, is not everybody's cut out to be a mentor either. You know, I, I'm not saying, <laughs> listen, just, I mean, you can be the best firefighter on the planet, but you just might not be cut out to be a mentor. You know, I think anybody can be, but I think your attitude is going to, you know, affect that, that, that decision to be a mentor or not. Because if, you know, if you think you're the greatest fireman on the planet and you boast about it and stuff like that, you are not meant to be a mentor. Correct. Actually, you might need to be taken down a peg or two, and you probably will be by the guy, the senior guy. You know, but not everybody's cut out to be that. And I mean, listen, there are firemen out there that just want to always learn. So they're, you know, they've learned this from you, and now they're seeking out, you know, Matt to learn more stuff, and then they're seeking out me for for some officer stuff, or you know. That's the fireman that I want coming in is, is wanting to learn from multiple mentors. And and I think we're lucky that there are people here. We have a few people that love to mentor people. Out of every fire I said, some some are lucky to have one. That's so, the thing. Like me and you are I think are on the same page with a lot of things, but there's a lot of things too that we're not on the same page with with, you know, uh I don't want to start this, but, you know, smooth bo smooth bores versus, you know, fog nozzles and, and that kind of thing. Right. So, you know, it, I, I know, you know, I boast I'm always, a, I'm a big smooth board guy and you like the fog nozzle. We'll, we'll, we'll not bicker, but we'll, we'll joke agree, around. We, we right. agree to disagree. Right. We right. joke around because we both think they have their place, but that doesn't, that doesn't, uh, you know, affect how we talk to each other or, 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 or operate or, or, or being to, or being mentors to people. It's not trying to confuse that person that, that's seeking the, the mentor as well. I think it's more of look at look at life in different aspects. You well, know? it can be good for that new guy too because you're going to be like, hey, go to Jason because he's going to tell you everything you need to know about a fog nozzle because we run both. We run fog and smooth board. He's going to turn right back around and say, hey, you need, you know, now you're going to learn about smoothbores. Go to Trap because he's the smoothbore guru guy, you know, and then we're going to go to Matt and say, hey, listen, man, this guy can teach you everything you need to know about hooking up hydrants. And, you know, we we have, the like I said, we have the luxury of we have a bunch of people that want to teach and, and educate new guys coming in. You know, I said it before, the, there are departments that are lucky to have one. I think, though. 
that's that's a double-edged sword with the DOD. Um, and why I say that is those people that come into the DOD has come from a wide array of different places, seen different things, whether it be, you know, on an airfield or, or whatever. In Loudoun, everything was, was scripted, per se, as in, you know, the first engine did this, the second engine did that, third engine did this, the ladder trucks did this, and nobody deviated from that, or should deviate from that. You know, the positions in the seat is what you do. When you come to work, that's what you're doing. If you're, if you're riding the line, that's what you're doing. You're pulling the line. Um, so in that aspect, I, I like the, the how scripted everything is when you, when you come to a call rather than DOD. Everybody is kind of on their own program with, you know, well, I've Each done it this way, I did that way. I'm not saying it's bad. But it's not as scripted as a department that does things this way. Well, I mean, when I when I went there, and I've said this before, that you know they didn't care where you came from, what you did. This is the way Loudoun County does things. Like it or lump it, that that's the way it is. Um, so, I, in a way, I'm kind of stuck with that thing. I'm, I'm kind of stuck that way with with the way Carlisle does things. You know, because we're we're based in Carlisle, um, so I, I have the luxury of, because I grew up here, I know everybody outside of the fences, you know, but, I mean. Well, and, and you know, we, we've talked all about here about the senior man as far as operations go. The senior man, the mentor, is it, more than just that, too. You know, it's how to conduct yourself around the station, how to be a good brother, how to be, you know. Because that, you know, you guys have probably, I mean, we've all had this spiel here at one point or another, you know, when, when we're at work, you know, we've always you know, gone off at one point or another, like, man, sometimes it feels like the brotherhood's missing, you know, and, you know, we've all, we've all said that at, at work at one point or another. Um, and I think it's true in the fire service as a whole, and, and maybe that's where, being a mentor is lacking is is you know sometimes it's so focused on the job that unfortunately we you miss out you miss mentoring on the other part of the job that's been the tradition of the fire service is the brotherhood part of things because you get a guy new guy that comes in and he wants to learn 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 about all this stuff but sometimes i think the the small things the Hey, doing the you know doing this for for your brother and, and doing that and 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 all that kind of stuff gets missed. Agreed. And other thing with being the new guy and learning is don't be afraid to take it outside of work too. I mean, there's a lot of days I didn't understand something and I'd ask Jason or another firefighter, "Hey, can you go over this with me?" And they Jason would always take me to 45, and Chief Grimes would go over stuff with me or Johnny just to get a different aspect on how to learn something outside of work. And then they really didn't touch much on fire department history, and I know a lot of the guys from work here and all took me up to the fire museum and went over things like that. 
So it's not just work related too. I mean, all of us got to know my wife, kids, vice versa with everybody else. And you get that whole family aspect too, where it's not just about work. It's also about your family and the job. Well, and, and that's, and that's kind of where I was going with that is, is you, as a mentor, you mentor them about the job and everything like that, but you got to mentor them about life because being a fireman's a way of life, you know, the crazy schedules that are out there, you know, we work such a different schedule than the rest of the world, you know, whether it's a 24 or in our case, a 48, you know, it, it's a, it's a different lifestyle. I mean, your, your family operates a completely different way and somebody new coming into this may not know that I've seen, uh, one of this, one of the other stations I was at Bethesda down in Maryland, I had a guy that came in, me and him started the same, same day. And he only showed up for one 48 hour shift and realized it wasn't for him. You know, and, and you know, it's, you guys know getting into DOD, I mean, it's there, there's no rookie school because you already got to have your certs, but the timeline it takes to get hired is it takes a while you got to do a lot of a lot of lake work and this guy came right in and we realized it wasn't for him and, and left but that's where uh, you know a mentor you got to say hey this is this is how this stuff works and you know you're going to be away from your family a lot and you know because some of these people yeah they they see it in, in rookie school and all that that oh wow look at all this stuff but it but they were always going home at five o'clock every day you're gonna now, have to work Christmas. You're gonna have to work your kids' birthdays. You know, anniversary. Anniversary. Holidays. That's it. I mean, at the end of the day, that's the things people don't think about when it when it comes down to it. Uh, and that's where the senior man or the or the mentor list. needs to sit down with the new guys and be like, "Hey, man, this is how you need, you you you're gonna you're gonna have to deal with working Christmas and working New Year's and missing your kids' birthdays yeah. and and all that other stuff. But this is how I've dealt with it." Right, you know, because that goes back to the whole mental aspect of things. I've seen it Christmas Day, people come in here, you know, come to the firehouse and they're they're in a shitty attitude. Oh, I got to work Christmas. I got to work Christmas Eve. You know what? Look, man, it's part of the job. I mean, I, I know somebody's got to do it. I know it sucks, but at the end of the day, you know, that's that's what it is. And for my family, I'm. My boys were kind of born into it uh, because I was on a job prior to my, my boys being born. Um, my wife, uh, she's known me since high school. So, um, you know, she, she knows how it goes. Even in the volunteer world, when I, when I was doing that, that, you know, I, I'd get up from dinners. And I, I mean, dinners were mi missed and stuff like that, which, and, and I, I've even directed this you know, to, to Buddy being being new when he came in here, that now that I look back at it and I'm a little older now, it, it's, man, at that, that time that you're just never going to get back because you, you've you left dinner to go to fire calls. I mean, you've left, you know, anniversaries, what you know, whatever, you know, you have going on or missed things, you know. So cherish the time that you're at home with the family. Um, and it's big for me now. I mean, my, my two boys mean the world to me and we're hunting and fishing and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, at the end of the day, don't disclude the family for the firehouse. 
Yeah, and, and that's where uh, a mentor needs to explain that to a new guy because they might they, they're walking into this completely blind. All gung ho, wanting to go, man, and that and that's cool, but th- there's got to be there's well, got to be family. Like, it's just like even even with like the career side with overtime. I mean, you know, a lot of young guys want to make money, make money, make money. The problem is, is you miss out on so much stuff already with your kids, Correct. And your family. How many failed marriages and everything uh, else that I've seen throughout the years because of a firehouse. And that, and that was one thing that, you know, when I when I worked up at Toby Hanna, you know, one of the senior guys up there told me is, is listen, man, take advantage of every hour you're home with you, with your family. Because there's going to come a time where overtime's going to come back and it's you're not going to be around, yep. and you got to build that strong relationship with your family and, and your wife to get through those kind of times. So you know, and that was great advice, and I've always respected the guy that told me that and respected what he said because it's 100 percent true. I mean, we all have gone through overtime at some point where it was you know, <laughs> we never got a chance to go home, right, for a couple of days. Yeah, and it. You know, it, it's tough on on the relationships, and if you, you if you weren't warned about that ahead of time, you know, it, it could be pretty devastating for your family. So I mean, that's where being a mentor is not just about the firehouse; it's about about life. Right. And there's a lot of good aspects of it. So don't don't get me wrong; like I'm busting, you know, busting on the job. But you know, at the end of the day. Why do you become a fireman? You know, you work 20 years, you can retire early, you can, you know, live life to the fullest, you know, and and have that family time and, and you know, kind of make up for those times that are lost because you have such a short career. But, you know, on, on the other hand, like I said, spend, don't, don't lose that time because you never know when, you know, we're going to come to work and when ain't going to come home. That's why as a new guy, you really got to just – Keep your mouth shut and open your ears and listen to everything the older guys are telling you because you might miss something as simple as enjoy the little things with your family because the job's going to make you miss a lot of it. And the problem is, is if you don't keep your mouth shut and miss that, the time's going to come where you miss something and you're like, well, I didn't know I was going to miss that or I wasn't prepared to miss something like that. And, and becoming you, your family's become... Families together. I mean, Buddy's family, those kids, you know, his kids and, and my kids, definitely all the time, you know, they play together, they, they, you know, they pretty much grow up together. So, I mean, they deal with it together in, in that aspect. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you, you have a life outside of here, but you tend to hang out with the guys that that you work with as well. And and that, that can be a double-edged sword as well as in, you know, you piss and moan at each other because you're, you're together all the time. There, there's got to be some type of, you know, that break too. Probably the best thing I've ever told a new guy is make sure you balance the job. Balance right. the home life and the job. That's it. Because if you don't, it, you end up in, on the wrong side of things at some point. Right, so I mean that, uh, that uh, hopefully a lot of the younger guys out there, guys, ex- guys and gals aspiring to be a fireman, you know, take to heart what was said here today. I mean, I think there was a lot of great information put out there between, you know, you know, dealing with the 
you know, getting ready for, you know, testing and, and, and interviewing in rookie school and then life in the firehouse after rookie school, you know, and, and being a mentor. I mean, there, there's a lot of great stuff we covered here today. So I, I just want to thank you guys for coming on. I mean, it was a great show. I enjoyed talking as we, it, it felt, it felt like, you know, like we were at work, you know, the, the way we just kind of talked. But I mean, then again, the four of us, you know, again, we kind of all think alike. And I think that's why we get along so well is we're all into the job. We all love the job and we care about the fire service and we care about what people think about the fire service. You know, we don't, we don't want to look like shitheads, you know, when we come off a rig. So I think that's why we get along so well is because we're all like-minded people when it comes to that. We have our own different ways of doing things, but at the end of the day, we all think alike. So I appreciate you guys coming on here, taking the time out of your days to, to, to come on the show here. And I definitely want to have these back again. I know there's other topics we've discussed that we'd love to talk about. So we're definitely going to have to have a session two for, for this. So thank Matt. Thanks for coming on. And thanks for having us. Yeah, buddy. I thank you for taking time out of your day. And yep. my pleasure, Jason, it's always a pleasure with you. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> so make sure you tune in for, all the other episodes, check back. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, check in the episodes one, two, and three of Love the Job podcast. And remember to keep your social distancing right now as we kind of yeah. get through Stay this. Stay away from the corona. Get through this 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 pandemic. I mean, it, it's just, it, you know, we're going to end with this. You know, it, it's definitely a serious time in the fire service and in the world right now. I mean, it's. Got some great memes, though. <laughs> they're definitely you know and and i think people don't realize firemen and the and the fire service the kind of sick humor we have at times um you know we consider and joke around about i mean we're all very serious about this you know and keeping safe and and you know we joke about social distancing but i mean it's definitely a thing that needs to happen and everybody needs to stay safe especially everybody in emergency services right now because emergency services are getting overwhelmed with, with this and i think it's only going to get worse before it gets better so well we all we're all definitely going to stay safe in that and to everybody out there make sure you guys stay safe as well and we'll hope to have you back here for the next podcast <laughs>